It's always difficult to speak um, a little time. What are you going to say that's new? What are you going to say that's different? Um, we've heard schmoozes before. We've heard. We've talked about tshuva. We've talked about shofar. We've talked about uh, you know a lot of things. Um, so maybe you just uh, we'll start with questions. Even before that, we'll start with. Um, you know, I, I, I teach in the afternoon, so we can talk about my Bikiyas knowledge, not my EO knowledge. Um, so I'll share some of my Bikiyas knowledge of um, basketball. So that's, uh, that's my real Bikiyas. Um, I was always fascinated. I apologize for those that aren't as interested in basketball as I am, but um, I was always fascinated by the free throw. Think about it. It's like a whole different way to play. You're playing a game, and all of a sudden, you get a foul. Someone does something wrong. And all of a sudden, all, all pressure's off. Everyone just moves to the side, and it's all you. You have a with, with, with the basket. So, there are good free-throw shooters and not-so-good free-throw shooters, and then just downright awful free-throw shooters. Um, and I was always fascinated as a kid um, by one of the perhaps most dominant or potentially dominant um, players in the NBA, who was one of, if not perhaps the most awful free throw shooter, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, some, some of us know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, such that they developed a whole strategy called Hackashack. The whole strategy was simply put someone out there to hit him and get him to put him be on the free throw line because he just couldn't do it. That was the whole strategy. People were, were hired onto teams simply because they were strong enough to give him a foul. That's all they were hired for. <laughs> so, he went through different kufas, but you know, a lot of free throws is about the mechanics. And, a lot of, and even before it's me- the mechanics, it's about that mindset. You know, the, the guy walks up to the free throw line, they throw them the ball, and I forget how much they have, five seconds, eight seconds, I forget what, how much they have before it's, you know, they lost the opportunity. And each, everyone has something different. Bouncing the ball, move to the side. This one practices shooting first. Everyone's got something. Those mechanics were so interesting. What separated the the guys who were really good from the guys who were not as good? And you could say it's talent. Certainly, there's that there. But I once heard an interview um, from Shaq, uh, or saw an interview maybe, um, which was. Uh, I thought enlightening. We'll come to that at the end. But I just putting that out there, I always thought that was fascinating. What makes, you know, I'm going to just describe the Bikiyas of Shaq. He had a very interesting way to hold the ball because, you know, he's, I don't know, 7'2", seven, 7'3". Seven, he doesn't need two hands to hold the ball. He would be like, you know, holding it with his fingers just like this. So, okay, maybe, maybe we'll come back to that. But just as, as, a, as a preview of some things on my mind. Uh, maybe we should be talking about Elul, but okay. Um, maybe just a, a, a few questions we'll, we'll start with. Um, We've been doing it for a while already, but why are we blowing shofar in Elul? So I know the, the Torah quotes uh, a medrash, Chazal instituted, uh, it, it reminds us of Tshuva, it reminds us of Rosh Hashanah, it confuses the Satan, whatever that means. Um, but uh, you know, why should we be doing this? The, the Gemara makes such a big deal that Rosh Hashanah is the Yom Trua. That's when we blow the shofar. So all of a sudden, we took away the uniqueness of the, the singular Yom Trua, Let's do it for a month. Why would we do that? Second question. We're going to start, at least for Ashkenazim, we're, we're um, more relaxed about these things. We're going to start Slichos this Motzi Shabbos. Um, but, 
you know, the common denominator between saying slichos is that slichos are said at probably the worst time possible. Whatever your minag is, you're saying it at the worst time possible. You're saying it before Nate's. You're saying it, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour early. You're saying it at 1230 at night. Whatever it is, it's not the ideal time. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't we have more kavana if we just did it post-shachris? If we did it after mincha? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that give us more kavana? Wouldn't we be more into it? Why are we doing it at these, you know, terrible times? There is a um, well-known Rambam, and probably for speaking in Elo time, we have to speak about the Rambam. Um, the Rambam writes, <laughs> We don't really know. Torah says you have to blow Shofar Roshana. Rem is Yeshba. There is a hint to it. Klomar, Uru, Uru, Yishani, Mishinaschem, Valkitsu, Nidomim, Mirtadamaschem, Vachapsu, Masechem, Vachizu, Bechuva. Wake up. Think about what you're doing. Do Tshuva. Vezichur, Barachem, remember Hashem. Now, couldn't couldn't have could just have said it's a zeros akasuv, but there's a hint to it, which is look into your actions, do tshuva, um, remember Hashem. What do I need this whole metaphor of waking up for? Why, why do I need to wake up? It's interesting. Also, the Rambam says a similar, but not the exact same lashon in Hilchos um, Mezuzah. The Rambam writes. So we have to be careful about this mitzvah. It's a constant mitzvah. Whenever we enter and exit, particularly when we enter, because we know we put the mitzvah on the right side based on when we're entering, we have to remember Hashem. We should wake up. What's the parallel there? Shofar, mezuzah. Maybe just one more question for now. Um, in our parasha, at least according to Ramban, Ramban describes um, the mitzvah of tshuva as kikar v'davar. So close to you. It's there, Mom, you can take it. Okay. No, we're not going to put up hands, we're not going to uh, you know, put anyone on the spot. But does everyone feel that? Does everyone feel tshuva is so close? I-, I got it. Some of us on Sunday spoke about low-hanging fruit. Take what you can. Don't, don't, don't say I'm never going to speak Lashon Hara, because that's not going to work. Let's be realistic. Let's pick a time we spoke about. Maybe we'll ten minutes here, I'm not going to speak Lashon Hara. Low-hanging fruit, I can do that. So great. I have a way. I'll get ten minutes here, I'll get another ten minutes there. But is that Tshuva? Tshuva, Gemura, Yazuchet, I'm never going to do it again? That's what we're trying to get to. Anyone feel it's a little bit far away? So what does it mean? It's so close to me. It's so far from me. So let's maybe let's try and um, analyze this a little bit. So let's just crunch what we, in terms of questions. We, we spoke, we asked, why is it that we belong shofar and Elul? Doesn't it, uh, you know, negate the uniqueness of shofar on Hashanah? Why are we saying slichos uh, so early? Why did the Ramam insert this language of sleep? And then why does he have it also in Hilchus Mezuzah? Uh, and then we asked, how do we really relate to tshuva as being something which is so close? not really so close. We feel very distant from Tshuva. So, there's a Pasuk, or a couple Pasukim, in Sefer Shmuel. Where the Pasuk is describing Shmuel, Ve'yishpat Shmuel es Yisrael kol yimei chayev. Shmuel was the judge for Kalashel. Ve'halach mide shana v'shana v'sava v'esel v'agilgal v'amitzvah v'shavat Yisrael es kol mekonos eila. Shmuel did a rotation. He said a rotation. He went, went around. 
there and I didn't have to go to him, he, he came to you. And then it says, Uchuvaso haramasa kisham beso. So the article translates, then he would return to Rama, that's where he comes, kisham beso. Rav Salvechik, in one of his tshuva drushes, picked up on this. Rav Salvechik said, so what is tshuva? Look at that word. Uchuvaso haramasa kisham beso. Tshuva means you're going home. Tshuva means coming full circle. So I'll let you point out, the more that I'm going one way and I feel like I'm, I'm distance, I'm moving out, but ultimately, if you think about it as a circle, so I'm just coming, I'm coming further back. I'm coming closer at the end of the day. Tshuva is about um, coming back to ourselves, becoming more of us, becoming more of ourselves. Part of a self-awareness is a connection to Kodesh Baruch Hu. If we believe we're a Tzalem Elohim, our Shama is, is from Hashem, whatever that means, Baltanya. Um, so when I'm connecting to myself, when I'm becoming more aware of myself, so what am I ultimately doing? I'm coming close to Hashem. That's what Shuv is. It's coming full circle. The challenging part, and I think this is what makes Shuv feel so close, so close. It's me. It's right here. But it's so distant because who am I? Who am I? How do I define myself? And that's what that's what we meant on the sign. Tshuva is so close, but so far. Um, I remember when I was in, I think, tenth grade. For some reason, the government made us take a class about career counseling. Figure out what we're going to do in life. Didn't work for me. Um, <laughs> But um, I remember there was one kid in my class, you know, this, you know, didn't really care about much, super confident. So I don't even remember who the teacher was, but this, inter- this you know, interaction was just so um, vivid. So she said to him, who are you? So he said his name. He said, no, but who are you? So, you know, we were talking about what skills do you have, what, 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 might, what might that lead to? Um... And he started talking. Well, I'm really good at this, and I struggle with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm good at it anyways, don't worry, you know. Um, and she just kept saying, but who are you? Who are you? And it was this, you know, memorable moment, because you had this guy who was, you know, so macho, and you just saw him shrinking into himself. And just thinking about, well, who am I? I don't know, I never really thought about it. I'm really good at basketball, and I, and I, and I sing nicely, and, and I get good grades, and, but who am I? Nefshechayim points out that we describe Hashem, we relate to Hashem based on His actions. Hashem is rachamim. Hashem is merciful. Is that, is that a description of Hashem or is that a description of His action? And he points out all the names and words we use to, to associate with Hashem are really just descriptions of His actions. And he says that's because we can't fathom the essence of a Kosh Baruch. So we have to describe what our experience is. We have to describe how we relate to him. But that's not true for us. We can't, you know, do, do you want to say, well, I'm, you can't capture who I am. I'm basically Hashem. You don't want to say that. So we should be able to figure out, even, you know, one person to another, we should be able to figure out on a certain level the essence of a person. But for ourselves, we absolutely should be able to figure out the essence of a person. Who are you? But what do we do? We describe our actions. I'm really good at this. I like doing that. We're just describing our actions. In other words, what we're saying is, define me by my actions. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a good learner. I love davening. So, define me by my actions. That's what we're trying to say. Well, I have a problem with that. Because, well, you know, 
we do Averas also. So let's define us by our actions then. So do you really want to be defined by your actions? Everyone's got Averas. So if you, want me, if you want me to define you, or you want to define yourself, your sense of self, your self-awareness, is based on your actions, well then, base it on all your actions. You can't be selective, because it, it, it's what I do. That's an expression of who I am. So your Averas are an expression of who you are also. <coughs> but we don't want to do that. That's just describing an action when we can't understand Hashem. When it comes to people, when it comes to ourselves, we should be able to understand this. But this is what, the, this is what I think the challenge in Shuvah is. I'm trying to come back to myself. I'm trying to grow into myself. Who am I? We have values. Everyone has values. And we're not judging values. And everyone has different values. And we rank our values. Revolving points down in the safe. You know, some person has a has a, a value of family, and some people have a value of sleep, and some people have a value of chocolate, and those are values. Legitimate values. And every moment, and this is the scary part of what he points out, is every moment is an assessment, a psakalacha, what do I value more? I am on a diet. But it's a seam right now. And the second piece of cake, you know, it's for the seam's sake. So what do I value? I value eating, the, participating in the seam, I tell myself, more than my diet. I value you know, whatever it would be. Everything we do is, a, is, a, is a based on our values. And what's really scary when you think about the, the world of values is we profess one set of values. But if you would write down your values, just pick five. Pick five of my top values. Rank them, one, two, three, four, five. And then keep a journal, take a mental note, over a week, do, do my actions represent, you know, reflect that set of values in that order? Or what I said was value number one, my absolute number one value is Tara. My absolute number one value for the, for the time I'm in the Shiva is being in the base matters. But when someone calls me, I go out of the base matters. When, when there's a good schmooze going on, so I'm right there. I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not in Seder anymore. I'm, I'm in the schmooze. Not the schmooze. Um, so, that's not a judgment. That's an observation. We all do that. But we're so disconnected often from what we say our value system is and how we practice our values. We're so disconnected from ourselves. Part of the experience of a serious Talmud Torah is that we should be reflections of that. Talchel Kabbalah. Gemara Lund talks about the Aron, symbol with the Luchas. Inside and out, we're the exact same. Because our goal is, we want to be consistent. We want to have our inside reflect our outside. That's what we say in davening. Um, in the morning, we want we want to be Yare Hashem, Galu Yiseser. Inside and out, public and private, it should be the same. That's our goal. Because we all profess something. And if you ask me, I'm going to tell you what my values are. I'm going to tell you what I want to do. But when no one's looking, all bets are off at that point. And anything can be of value. I think I heard once in the name of Rav Shach that we have a Rashi Tevos Anil Adil Beautiful. But he says yeah, you, you can make that anything, right? Anila Pizza Pizza Li. That's that. I can make values into anything. So maybe let's try and figure this out or suggest. Why are we inconsistent then? We know this about ourselves. Why are we inconsistent? 
I've stated my values. I put them down on paper. I spent time thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, I don't know. Do that. So, I'd like to suggest two things which I think are really one. Um, the first is, um, there is a comment of the stipler in the Birkus Perth in the Sixth Parasha. Where the stipler discusses, um, the passage says, Bishrirus libelech. I go with, with Shrirus. What does Shrirus mean? So it says the stipler, Shrirus is related to the Pasuk in Megillus Esther, um, Kol Isara Beso. You should be, you should rule over, in charge of. The stipler says, you know when things, you know, fall off the wheels a little bit? When I only do things that make me comfortable. I want to be in charge. The second something's beyond my comfort zone, I don't connect it as much, it's a little bit harder, I have to you know, go out of my way, I'm not going to do it. I, I just won't do it anymore. And that's a disconnect then. Because I want to be doing it, but I just can't put it into practice. There's, there's some, some blockage. I want to be in charge. I'm not willing to give myself over. The second... Um, is really based on a piece from Schwab. But in a nutshell, we'll try and explain it a little bit more, but in a nutshell, why do we have this disconnect, I'd like to suggest? We're just sleeping. We're just sleeping. I know we're open, our eyes open, I know we're not in bed, but we're sleeping. Rav Schwab, in his Sefer on Tefillah, has, I think, to me, a fascinating um, observation. He's speaking about the bracha, Hamav Yashena Enai Ustuma Mafapai. I should, we pray, praise Hashem, he removes sleep from my eyes and slumber from my eyelids. So Rav says a number of questions. He says, I don't understand. That seems to be a bracha about waking up. But this comes at the end of the Birks HaShachar. I'm already awake. I've made a few brachas already, maybe I learned my dafyami. Why, why am I making the bracha now? Then Rav is bothered. We have a general principle. When you, make it, when you have a longer bracha, the psich, the beginning of the bracha, and the chasim, the end of the bracha, they should match up. The chasim is like the summary. But says Rishwab, how do we start off? We start off, Hamavi Enai, he removes sleep, and then we finish off, he does great chesed to call Israel. What does one have to do with the other? So says Rishwab, I, I, I found this first time I saw this, I was blown away by this. He goes back to Parshat Parashas, and he says, Let, let's talk about sleep. Where do we sleep there? So he, sa- he says, when HaKosh Baruch Hu creates Chava, Pas says, Vayapel HaShem Elokim Tardema Ala Adam Vishon. He was in a Tardema, he was in a deep sleep, and he slept. By the way, I think there's more to this, and maybe not for now, but I, I'll just point out textually, um, in the Rambam that we read, the Rambam in Hilchot the Rambam says, Uru Ur Yishenim Shinasfem, you should wake up from sleep, there's two types of sleep there. Two types of sleep there. There's Shena and there's Tardema. Two types of sleep. That's exactly what the Apostle says in Breshis. Both types of sleep. That's, that's one of my... I'd like to connect these. So, Adam fell asleep. Chavaz the created. Okay. Hashem does um, sort of a surgery. Um, it's a little controversial nowadays. And um, all of a sudden, Chava um, comes out. We have Chava. And then the Pasuk says, Adam says, Look, she's part of me. Isha. So, says Rav Schwab, 
You know what's missing? Adam waking up. He never woke up. Torah makes a big deal. Two words that he fell asleep. He calls it anesthetic, deep sleep. Never woke up. Just sleeping. The world is asleep. It says, ah, but there are moments, there are lightning bolts of, of, of being awake. That's what's unique to Klal Yisrael. We, we have a Harsinai experience. That's a lightning bolt of being awake. That's a clarity. We see things. So, so, so says Rishwab, that, that that's how we understand the, the bracha. We're not speaking about physical sleep. We're talking about being awake, being connected. The beginning and the end of the bracha, and, and sleep, is the same thing. Because we have, we, the whole world is sleeping, but we have at least the opportunities to wake up. We have to capitalize on those opportunities. So, let's, let's, with that in mind, that's, I think, a lot of what the Rambam might be driving at in terms of the sleep, why we emphasize the sleep. The whole world is sleeping. And I think also that may have to do with our you know, awful timing of sleepless. So what are we really showing? The whole world's sleeping, but we're awake. We want to be, we be awake now. In the beginning of Parshas so Yaakov rests, and again, a few, a few, a few, later, Yaakov rests, and and Rashi quotes, describes that he, what does he see? Is a dream, angels going up and down. So the Maral is bothered by a question in the Gorei. The Maral says, well. If you look in the Rashi, he's talking about the angels of Eretzrael are 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 coming are are leaving, and he's getting the, the malachim of Chutzlarts. We're going to escort him to, to when he's for Chutz for Chutzlarts part of his travels. But says the Maral, he was still in Eretzrael. Why are they ditching him already? What happened? They should this should have happened at the border. Why is it happening earlier? Says the Maral, when you start something, you're already there. And therefore, if he's, if he's starting to leave Eretzrael, so he's, he, we view him to a degree as, as if he's out, left Eretzrael. If he left Eretzrael, what is it? You need, to, no, need the malachim, change the guards. I think this has to do with the Rambam in terms of the mezuzah as well. Because if you think about it, when do we interact with the mezuzah? The Rambam point, points out, it's when you leave and when you come in. But fundamentally, which side of the, of the door is the mezuzah on? The right side, when you enter. It's all about when you enter. When you enter, when you're starting off, that's when you got to wake up. Ram says that in Hilchus Tshuva. Ram says that in Hilchus Mezuzah. In general, the imagery of waking up is a new beginning. I'm starting off. If I wake up, I'm there already. I think this is um, the shofar in El as well. The Gemara Roshana points out that the imagery of shofar really connotes and conjures up the inner sanctum, the Kodesh Kedoshim. That's what it is, the Gemara is talking about a totally different context, but that's what the Gemara says. So, when I hear the shofar, what am I doing? I'm already there. Remember our goal? Our goal is self-awareness, shuffle the base, I want to come back to myself, I want to have the Kirvus Elohim, I want to be in the Kodesh Kedoshim, so to speak. When I hear the shofar, I'm there already. So I started it. So what's happening in Elul? We're starting. I'm ready here in the shofar. I'm there already. 
This is, I think, what they call in positive psychology, you, you think you're there already, you view you're there, and you're there. I think this comes back to Shaq. Obviously. They, they, when I saw this interview, and they asked Shaq, what happened? You're like one of the most dominant players ever. You obviously can handle yourself. You're, you're mentally in the game. You're physically a specimen. Like, what happened here? And he said, I don't know that I'm going to make it. I don't, every time that I, I, I let go of the ball, I'm waiting to see what happens. And they pointed out they had a whole clip of other, uh, other free throw shooters who were about to free throw shooters. And they said, you know what I do? When I, when I go like this, when I practice, I already put the ball in the net. My mind is already there. They were trying to make make this make this make this comparison between Shaq and um, other people. If I view that I'm already there, I'm there. Oh, I still have to do the work. You know, you have to have the talent. Okay, but I, I have to view that I'm there. So tshuva is so close and so far. It's we want to connect ourselves, but we need to want to be there. We need to view it that we're there already. Each person on an individual level is going to have to figure out how to do that. But, you know, maybe things to think about um, over the coming days and weeks is that idea of waking up. Am I sleeping? Am I awake? Certainly when it comes to shakras, we might be sleeping, and in sleepless, we for sure might be sleeping. But really, fundamentally, am I sleeping? Am I awake? Am I open to this? Am I not open to this? Can I view the end goal? Can I view myself in the end zone already or not? The more that I can view myself in the end zone, I've already made it there, the more that it's going to carry me there. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're starting out with the shofar. Why are we, why are we blowing shofar now? Because we, we believe we're there already. We believe we can make it. Um, and, if that, and, and if we can make it like that, we can have that positive psychology, then we can already be in the Kodesh Kedoshim, we can have that Kirvah Selkim, and we can really come full circle and come back to ourselves.